Alright guys, welcome to 3 on 1 Podcast again. This is Bryce Davis. That's Garrett Campbell. What's up? He's still with us is the good old Caleb Beard. Hello. Woo! <laughs> and we're going to keep going straight back in to the MCU with the 16th movie in the universe, Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm, this is, that was a good one. I saw it again recently and um, I like it. I, I love Spider-Man. Haven't seen it more than the once. I will stand, and everybody can kiss my ass that this is the best Spider-Man. Oh, for sure, it has definitely one of the best scenes possibly in all of the MCU with that that car ride scene. But we can get to that later. Yeah, sure. That's so fucking intense. Um, I don't know. Overall, I think this movie did a really good job of telling a small story. Mm-hmm. A lot of the the past movies, even solo movies, of course, all the team up movies are going to be big world ending threats because why wouldn't they just exactly. be able to solve that on their own? But yeah. to me, this did a really, really good job of telling a small scale story, sure, which is which is what the MCU had been missing at that point. Because yeah. I think how many movies up to that point had been this huge grand scheme? There hadn't been a, a really small scale movie exactly. like that for a long time Since, in like, the, the first MCU. Definitely. Besides, yeah. no. Yeah, probably since Ant Man specifically, yeah. Yeah. and this is much much better than Ant Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> probably one of the best by itself films besides like Winter Soldier. For sure, but um, because I mean, this does have Michael Keaton's Vulture. Yes, which is he was so good. He's so, Michael Keaton is unstoppable. He's great, and him having a held to this movie entire arc. He, I mean, he did he did great, and this does introduce Zendaya's character who. Yeah. Coming to play much more towards the very, very end of the this phase. She's pretty badass. Yeah, she's great. But um, I definitely think that this movie is arguably because Winter Soldier does depend on the whole series, kind of. Yeah. And this movie does not, in really, any way, no, need all, the other series at all. all. The, this movie honestly doesn't do a whole lot. I mean. Except for really show you Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like, what's the lesson learned in this movie? If you guys want to talk about that, like, what's the lesson that Peter Parker learns in this movie? Like, that if he's no good without the suit... No, that's the second one, isn't it? No, that's this one. Is it? How do y'all feel, how do y'all feel yeah. about the suit, by the way? How do y'all feel about Tony Stark giving him the suit? I, I like it. I, I think... I think that's a very divisive thing about this movie is yeah. the suit. Yeah. Mm, I think that with the way that this is the Tony Stark having the super suit being the only reason Iron Man's a superhero and Captain America only having the serum being the only way he's a superhero, I think it would have been ridiculous to give Spider-Man a spider bite that makes him superhuman. Yeah. Whereas you could just make him athletic with... A super suit. Like yeah. that that that's so much more grounded in reality that and this entire series besides the Guardians part and Thor's part is so grounded in reality. I don't really think you could have done the non suit version of Spider Man. But it does kinda not make sense yeah. that he's so in tune with the movements of like the Spider Man kind of fighting style, which only kinda makes sense if you are some bit part spider. Yeah, I think I think the the movie did a good job of showing how 
uh, kind of new to the job that Spider-Man was. He was, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a kid. It did a really good job of, I mean, it wasn't, you see the end of the Tobey Maguire scenes and they're <laughs> freaking great, man. The ends of the Tobey Maguire movies where yeah. he does like the final swing with the, the score at full blast and yep. it's just Spider-Man at its peak, man. This movie did a really good job of kind of deconstructing that and showing you that this Peter Parker is, he's new on the job. He's Yeah. He's, he's just a kid. He's falling. He's falling down a lot. I mean, he's yep. he's really like uh, snappy with his movements. The movements yeah. are really like jerky. I yeah. guess. They're I guess that's fluid. that's true. He is. It does show him at least learning how to use this fighting yeah. style and use this movement because it's like literally it's like Call of Duty going into Black Ops Three. Mm-hmm. How an entire dimension of movement is now open to him mm-hmm. and yep. it's so he's bumping on walls and shit yeah uh <laughs> <laughs> yes caleb might be uh, a little sipped up wait a little bit it's almost like caleb has a bud light lime and a whiskey sour made by me in front of him almost like that <laughs> there's a Not lot a- of <laughs> there's a lot of lime in this room and caleb's about to have some heartburn motherfucker oh I get heartburn way too easy. But okay, so... I got the sleeps. <laughs> so, Spider-Man Homecoming is fucking... Solid movie. Good. It's yes. really good. I that love... That scene, that scene in the car, man, so good. Oh, so God. That it... tension in the... Where you can see, like, the, the lighting of the traffic light on his face. is It's almost like the light changes on the traffic light yep. as he puts it together. Yep. So good, Phenomenal. man. Phenomenal. And this makes you care about Tom Holland's Spider-Man. This makes you care about a character in Michael Keaton's Vulture that is only in this film. And it gives you some stakes in the Zendaya storyline, in the bringing in Mary Jane. Yeah. It's great. And so... Is it your favorite Spider-Man movie? Um... (laughs) I would stand because, as anybody (laughs) who listens to this would know that I'm kind of an ass. And I would say that as me being an ass, Spider-Man 3 is still my favorite because if I can watch a movie and love half of it and hate half of it, (laughs) that is the funnest whiskey-fueled adventure of a film. And every part that doesn't fucking have corrupt... Toby McGuire <laughs> and <laughs> fucking emo ass Toby his hair his hair has to be in his face yes. and the most <laughs> drastically miscast sandman that yeah. is not a good sandman no. at all but that movie is awesome because of how much i hate it and because of how much i love it whereas i just really like spider-man homecoming maybe in a broad spectrum I like it more, but to sit down and watch, I'd rather watch fucking Spider-Man 3. I think my favorite Spider-Man movie would either be Far From Home or the first Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Really? Yeah. What in the name of fuck? <laughs> You're talking about Jamie Foxx Electro? No, no, no. no. He's, oh, he's no, talking no. about the lizard. Yeah, the, uh, the lizard. Okay. Um, okay. That one's better than okay. the Jamie Foxx yeah. one, but... Okay, yeah. as long as we're not talking about Jamie Foxx Emma Stone dies movie. Yeah. Plus fucking Emma Stone, bro. As Gwen Stacy. He's over here all blonde, Emma Stone, dude. dude. Uh, cool skateboard, Peter Parker. Ooh, skater boy. Dude, I would... Are you trying to tell me that Andrew Garfield is at all cool? I do a threesome with Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. 
<laughs> Can't judge you, you for a, that, we brother. Got, we, got a little, we got a little off track. So, <laughs> Caleb, is this your favorite Spider-Man? I'd say my favorite Spider-Man, if I had to list them in order, I think Spider-Man 2 is probably at the top. With, uh, Sam Raimi. To- yeah, yeah Buck, Sam Raimi. Yeah, With dude. Dr. Octopus. Doc Ock is Doc badass. Ock's so yeah. good. Perfectly cast. So good, man. Not gonna lie, thought for the longest time that the guy that played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2 was Ozzy Osbourne. It's <laughs> because of the glasses? Because of the glasses. <laughs> or, or like the weird way of speaking. How Ozzy Osbourne's like... Illiterate. Kind kind of British and not British. And that this the character that plays Doc Ock is also a British man? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like, you know, how I got uh, uh, Oprah and uh, the woman that played... Uh, Josh's boss and Drake and Josh mixed up. Um, no, that is in no way the same because you are talking about <clears throat> cultural racism <laughs> instead yeah, it's, of it's like the time I got a uh, Mike Tyson and uh, <laughs> fucking Murder Man mixed up. I'm drunk. Mike Tyson and OJ Simpson. <laughs> OJ Simpson, yeah. OJ Simpson is now named Murder Man. <laughs> OJ Simpson, if you ever thought you weren't guilty, you are known as Murder Man by the average white man. <laughs> Spider Man Homecoming. Rest in peace. <laughs> okay. Spider Man Homecoming. Let's get back on track. It's a good movie. It's so a now, good movie. No one can argue. Now we hit movie 17, and I'm about to become a little less useful because I, regardless of critical and friend acclaim, have not seen Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is fun. Okay, so preface. I mean, every, every trailer. Going into the movie, you guys had to know that Hulk was in it, right? Yeah, of course. Hulk was in it. Okay, I have. He's introduced in the Gladiator scene. I have a friend who is not into watching trailers. He does not watch trailers. This dude got to see Thor Ragnarok without a clue of knowing that Hulk was in the movie. Does he just like? He, he like does he like sit in the lobby when trailers are exactly <laughs> if, like, if, if it's if it's a movie text he cares me when about. it starts yeah if as soon as it says Marvel <laughs> send me if in. if it's a movie he cares about if it's a movie he thinks he'll watch and he'll want to like be surprised by it he'll walk out during the credits so who is this Rudy Rudy Avitia Rudy all right there you go uh, name dropped yeah he's is he the one with the bob haircut and with all the X's yeah <laughs> what's up brother what, what's up Rudy <laughs> You're Twitter famous. We know who you are, and I've never met you. <laughs> so he got to experience that like in real time at the theater. Or I don't know if you watched it at the theater on DVD or somewhere later, but he had to watch, like, be surprised by the Hulk being in this movie like, in real time. So that's like the coolest freaking thing to me. Dang, that's yeah. awesome, like, especially with how Hulk left. What movie is that in? Age of Ultron. Yeah, when Hulk disappears for three movies. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, if you hadn't even gotten a hint, yeah. that's badass. Fuck yeah. Like, he was just thinking, like, maybe it'd be, like, some monster or something. And then he's like, wait, this, this is, is the Hulk. Like, it's so cool. Like, so, 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 I mean, I use the internet, so I am keenly aware of the story, at least. And this is when his sister, Thor's sister, yeah, so is the... The, the goddess, goddess of death, yeah. yeah. So the whole the whole story is that before Thor was born and before Odin adopted Loki, that they had a daughter and um, 
She's a bitch. Odin, <laughs> Odin, 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 and her together had conquered the nine realms. Okay. And Odin was content to stop at nine, and Hela was like, "We need more, I guess." <laughs> okay. So, Odin locked her up in, in hell. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so, Odin's just an uh, old asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so, teased by the end of the most forgettable movie in the MCU, Thor: The Dark World. Um, yeah, Loki, in, in that movie, Thor 2, Thor the Dark World, Loki supposedly had died, and then at the end credits, it's revealed that he's not dead. He's impersonating Odin on the throne of Asgard. Fuck. Okay. And so, you go into this You go into this movie... I'm knowing, a little too many whiskey sours in to understand this plot line, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's super confusing. So the movie opens with Thor. Uh, Thor has been like cleaning up messes that have been going on. And he gets back to Asgard, from which he hasn't been on in a while. And the audience, who like is like invested or whatever in the story, knows that uh, Odin is actually Loki impersonating Odin. And uh, and who? So to kind of fast forward, who does she kill? Who does Hela kill? Yes. Like <laughs> Thor's best friends is like her first thing. So like as soon as. <laughs> So, Hela gets introduced the moment that Odin dies. And Odin really just dies because he's like, I'm really old and it's time to die. <laughs> I'm like, that's so. bullshit because you live in Asgard. And... Dang, did I call so, Asgard Valhalla earlier? I think. Oh, fuck. Um, oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, been watching too much fucking <laughs> Vikings. TNA Impact, brother. <laughs> um, Valhalla so, knees, boss. Odin Odin dies because he's too old, and that like releases like all of his power over keeping Hela trapped in hell. So she comes back like immediately, and like and, kills and fucks Thor's up, mom? fix up. No, she died in Thor too. Yeah. So she immediately. Fuck, I wouldn't even remember. She immediately crushes Mjolnir and then uh, goes to Asgard. Mjolnir. That's the best part of Thor too. The best part. The best. If you're gonna watch Thor two, just <laughs> skip to the part whenever. Somebody says meow meow. That's the only part we're watching. Or just so, watch Thor 1 because Kat Denning <laughs> says it like 19 times. <laughs> meow so, um, so they get Hela gets to Asgard, kills a bunch of people to make her presence known, and she's like, you don't know who I am? And she's really pissed off about it. And then there's another offs. Like, there's two stories going on at once. So the, blah, 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 bullshit. There's the Asgard Next. story. There's the Ragnarok, like the Thor and Hulk buddy cop story. <laughs> and um, ends up coming back together at the end. They they get off this planet that Thor and Hulk are on. And they recruit a team and they're fighting Hela. And it's big and epic and it's all this stuff. I mean, it's it's a fun movie. It's a it's a really, it's pretty, it's the one of the funnier movies in the MCU. Like, yeah, genuine makes that me is, laugh. Okay, so. I'm glad we said that because that is also what is said about Guardians 2 and that was said immediately after Thor Ragnarok's release was people were like this is a fun movie is a funny movie this... and and all I could think was like man that's what people said about Guardians 2 and Guardians 2 was just neckbeard cringe humor and I'm like fuck I hope Thor is it that beard cringe humor? <laughs> so the the soundtrack is another cool part of this movie. Like a lot of the a lot of the MCU movies are kind of the generic, like what you would think of when you think of a superhero score. It does the job, but yeah, this this like uh, 
it's not like a Star Wars theme where you're just gonna like know it right off the bat. Like yeah. you hear Star Wars theme, you're already humming it in your head. Yeah. But like, um, the score at least in this one is like super sci-fi kind of like synthy like spacey cool. tones. Right. Sure. It's different at least. It's a cool. lot like um, Drive. How Drive yeah. is so atmospheric yeah. and spacey. Sure. So. That's another cool part of the movie. I mean, the movie's super unique. Like, a lot of these MCU movies get super samey. And this movie was different, which is cool. so, to be commended. So, to kind of wrap that up, um, all this really did was bring Thor's arc yeah, pretty complete. The, the, whole, the whole point of this movie is to really deconstruct Thor. I mean, he loses his hammer, he loses his dad. Yeah, and it's why he, he loses his dad after and, he lost his mom in the movie before. And, and it's why he's such a broken man at the beginning of, of Infinity War. Yeah. Exactly. That was, yeah. the, that was the point of the movie is to really deconstruct Thor and to really make him almost desperate. Sure. And we'll get to that in a minute, but so Thor Ragnarok, honestly, it's pretty solid. In, in your simple explanation, I would say I'll probably fucking watch it now. Yeah. But, so, to kind of move ahead into what I would argue might be like, how would I say this? In movie 18, Black Panther, I would say like a beacon of light, like a drawing force in the MCU. How people... That weren't necessarily wanting to watch this. Like weren't necessarily drawn in from the step one of Iron Man. All the way into everybody's origin story. Like Black Panther was like such an insane. Like the cultural impact. Oh. oh being, being being a mainly African American film. One thing. But more of being like a cultural phenomena of yeah. a film. Just before Infinity War comes out was such a fucking big deal. And Black Panther definitely leaves you with wanting to know what happens further. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. And let's just get right fucking into it. Michael B. fucking Jordan, man. <laughs> what is his character's name? Uh, Killmonger. Kill. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to be wrong. Killmonger, fuck Vulture. <laughs> fuck Mickey Rourke playing whoever he played is the best motherfucking one movie villain ever when he's standing there and he's like I wanna burn it all it is so badass he looks so sick that fight sequence between him and Black Panther is so fucking awesome and he like that's some real emotional weight yeah. to a villain yeah he is Michael B. Jordan is fucking great yeah, and he he outperformed any other actor in that movie without a doubt. Thor Ragnarok, with you pointing out the like really spacey sci-fi soundtrack, and then if you think back to the Guardians films, how it's basically just fueled by guitar riffs. Yeah, it's just old pop. It's music. just guitar riffs from eighties and nineties music. Yeah. yeah, this film has like. Special made hip hop songs, yeah, made specifically for this movie, yeah, and also like African kind of songs too, like, like absolutely some of the drum beats and stuff. With, with like the real natural drums, yeah, and everything. Like Black Panther was really that's why I was saying it was like a beacon of light. It really felt it was a big deal. It felt so fucking different, yeah, as a movie in this series. Like, and it needed to. It absolutely had to. To be the movie that it was, because you, I and 
I'm sure some corrupt ass motherfucking <laughs> record. I mean, not record. Uh, film executive was like, "Oh, we can get the African American audience in," and it's who I don't even know who directed this, but whoever directed this, Ryan Coogler, Ryan Coogler knew what the fuck they were doing <laughs> and truly made a truly like different film and they fucking had to because yeah. not even from a oh there's African Americans in 90% of this movie from a this is set in rural magical Africa like it needs to be a different soundtrack it needs to feel different start to finish yeah. and it fucking did and it somehow kept its roots in the MCU and I fucking love it for that it's so good the coolest, the coolest like sequence in that movie, like the cool, the two things that stand out to me, the beginning, how, um, the way they portrayed like vibranium in that movie, like as like kind of a communication device, like it's it's like kind of like this dust almost that can like pop up and like make itself look like things, you know? Yeah, what I, mean? like, I, it can I, I love like, that they into like a shape. They brought like the true science into it that makes sense why Peter Parker's hand can turn into a web device yeah. and Tony Stark can turn into a super soldier because of the vibranium. So the beginning of that movie is like a narration of the history of Wakanda and it like it almost like it the, the way it's animated is to kind of look like vibranium particles kind of like constructing like, you know, the world. Yeah, like you know yeah. those you know those stupid little things as a kid with like all the pins where you'd put your hand in it and it'd push the pins out. Yeah. Those yeah. silver pins. It's like it kinda that, it kinda looks like that how, but like, how, has, like, like black dust. especially in this culture of being fueled by the existence of vibranium. It's how vibranium created Yeah, it's so this it's, whole it's like vibranium culture of yeah, Africa. That's that's such a cool narration like it, set piece to me. With so with, cool. with this magical material it makes this whole domed off subculture that if you haven't seen Black Panther it really makes the fight sequence in Infinity War kind of make a lot less sense yeah if you don't know how it is and like how all of the um like tribes fighting yeah like how their weapons have vibranium and stuff like how they're able to take a beast in a fight because they have this magical material. Had you not seen Black Panther, you would be like, why can these normal ass people fight off these dog alien things is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Fuck Black Widow. But, um, <laughs> but okay, so let's... I love Black Panther too much. Probably Ooh, another, another good shot is... I mean, it's, it's super obvious, but like it's still really good, is whenever Killmonger does become king and the, the camera spins... To kind of just show that like Wakanda's being turned on its head, you yes, know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. You know I fucking remember about? that with clarity, dude. Yeah, that's another really good shot. That that movie is absolutely top five. I think at the end here, we might have to give a top three. Yeah, for sure. But not, fuck yeah. Not to interject, but I'm I don't know if I'm drunk or tired or both, but Caleb. It, looked like your words and your mouth weren't synced up correctly to me. Oh, man. Well, I saw you looking at me. <laughs> you might have had too much Mike's Harder Limited. So, all right. So, I think we all agree. Black, Black Panther, Panther. Black Panther is great, but... Phenomenal. Possibly, possibly controversial thing here. To me, it is at least a little bit overrated. Yeah. Mm. At least a little bit. See, 
I mean, we'll we'll talk about this at the end, but I don't agree. I think maybe overrated in the fact that if you haven't seen ninety percent of the MCU, you don't give a fuck. Yeah. But with it being with you seeing Civil War and knowing the ramifications that this story has to the big picture, mm-hmm. it is amazing. But so, it's a great movie. But it is a great movie. But so let's move on. We can talk about that in a little bit. But. Let's skip to the big one. The big Ooh. fucking big the, fist. The best movie? Humongous start Infinity War. The best, which has, the best movie? Question has, mark? Yeah, Question. probably. We'll, probably we'll, the best movie. We'll talk about it toward the end of us. Kind of little review of it. But so, that has... Okay, so... If anybody watched Lucha Underground back in the day or watches TNA Wrestling... They always have these cold opens where you have, like, instead of having wrestling or anything, you have just the storyline part to open the episode. This has the most fucking phenomenal cold open where you just open to them on the ship. Mm -hmm. You open to... To destruction. you, You open to, in something you've never seen in an MCU movie, Thanos is fucking... Big dick power <laughs> with with his fucking boys. You don't even know who his boys are yet. What the children of Thanos? You yeah, don't the even dark, know the Dark Order. Yeah, children the Dark of Order. You don't even know who they are yet. Yep. And they're there. Like all of them are fucking standing there. Once it shows, it shows them before it even shows Thanos. Exactly. It shows the dude a little too heavy handedly being the Grim Reaper with his scythe executing the remaining people on the ship. Yeah, yeah. But. Is the sniveling, annoying child of Thanos the guy that the Squidward guy? Yeah, the guy that, that reminds me so much of Hux from Star Wars. Is that yes. the same actor? No, no. Okay, that's an older man. Oh, okay. but um, they're they're like the same character. We're we're not gonna get into the stupid names of people. We're just gonna fucking. It's all made up bullshit. So we're just yeah. gonna describe them and make it make more sense for the viewers. You'll know who we're talking about. So Squidward man. So it opens, and you just see. That a god in Thanos and a god in Loki. This is a Thanos movie. This isn't an Avengers movie. Absolutely, this is a Thanos movie. But Thanos' power doesn't give a fuck if you're a god on your planet. Because you are in Thanos' Infinity Gauntlet completed world. Well, nearly completed, but extremely powerful gauntlet already. And he fucks up Hulk. In one of my favorite yes. sequences in all of the MCU, when he fucking stops Hulk's fist. Yep. Oh, I love that shit. But it's almost like he's—you can see like that's the incredible thing about this movie is how much of Josh Brolin's performance is captured. It's wow, you dude. Can, you like, can see you can see how much fun that Thanos is having with fighting Hulk. You it's it's, it's the fatal flaw in the Transformers franchise about how you get attached to um, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime's voice and Megatron's voice, but you never really see who they are. Exactly. But there's the such human monster mm-hmm. effect to having Josh Brolin's face as the face of this fucking monster. Yep. And his his fucking portrayal is so on point. Like I don't think I could play Ultimate Alliance 2 without seeing <laughs> Josh Brolin as Thanos from now on. It yeah. would piss me off. 
Yeah, but kick, no, so he kicks the Hulk's ass. So then you see yes. the the first finally, after all the events of Civil War, you have Doctor Strange meeting up with Tony Stark of all people, yeah. and Hulk who has just been his literal ass yeah. <laughs> fucking handed to him yep. by this super being that no one has any fucking with clue now who that is. One formerly one now two Infinity Stones. Yep. So powerful in that glove. And he just beats the shit out of him. And so he ends up a human. Hulk is so broken <laughs> that he's a human now. And so then, man, that has got to be one of my favorite. The alarm sounds bullshit. The stuff starts falling. The lo- they go out into the streets. And that has got to be one of my favorite sequences. That wasn't shot in New York. That was shot in a studio, like in a blue in a blue screen studio. That is really un- that is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, that is fucking awesome. It looks like it looks like New York. Like it's crazy. Yeah, that's I commend to whoever fucking filmed that because that felt so real and amazing. Like they like walk down the street and turn into another block. That was a that was, to, a, that was a big one shot, right? That was a, yeah. that was a long mm-hmm. one shot, Pretty right? Sure. Uh, a big single take and they look up to oh fuck the what would you say they're called? Jitari. The, the Jitari. The children of Thanos like, like, Dark Order. The, the yeah. children yeah. of Thanos with the Jitari the or whatever. Big old ship. Alien yeah. motherfucker. If you're yep. just a if you're just a New Yorker you're just looking up and going, these motherfucking aliens are back. <laughs> they back. Holy shit. What is that? That looks like the... And don't get... You all know. If you remember watching Justice League. Yep. Back when you were in 2006, cartoons, kids. Man. The giant tanks in the war. Oh, yeah. When fucking everybody dies in Justice League. These spaceships look like those tanks. Yeah. And so you look up and you're like... That wheel is in space. Oh <laughs> fuck! And so, it's loud thing, too. This yeah. this movie jumps a million different ways, but holy fucking moly! Without getting too into the nitty gritty of an Infinity War review, when the big fight happens, man, that is. You talking on on a we, Titan we, or we, on a Wakanda? We we kind of simultaneous. So let's let's talk about Wakanda first. When Man, the especially if you've seen Black Panther, when the tribes finally unite, oh, they're, doing, they're doing their with little the chance. Wakanda forever. That is so bad. Eric Andre, I miss you. <laughs> the the cool thing about that whole like sequence to me is uh, how how like out of out of place some of those shots feel whenever it shows those like dog creatures like coming out of those things it, it's yeah. almost shot like a horror film yeah like, it's shot the like it, shot, um, it does what, not it fit with the What's rest the of the movie Brad Pitt film uh, World War Z. War War Z it looked like the way World War yeah. Z's creatures yeah. funnel in like they just like kind of it was like shot ants. really cool yeah <laughs> emerge <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. That was incredible. <clears throat> but <laughs> shout out to Gare. But so that was awesome and oh, we're about to get to it, guys. The big fight on Titan happens and Peter fucking Fuck that guy. Quill. That is the oh, don't get me wrong, that is the most important part, but that is the way too human response. Like that is 
fucking insane. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is a man who has killed his father, who is not able to see that half, because uh, he's heard what he wants to do, what yeah. Thanos wants to do, and him not being able to hold back after all he's seen when he saw what he could do on the uh, in the when he went to see yeah, the collector. He, he can't do that anymore though. But Peter Quill does not know that. And so he, he knows that. He knows he only had powers because of that planet. After, oh, after, that's, that's after right. the planet gets destroyed, he knows he doesn't have any more powers. So that was part of the decision. But that is the most aggravating probably like in a wrestling term way to say it that is the most heel turn thing when a super heel of chris pratt for sure when chris pratt strikes him instead of because because at that point we all know we all saw that film yeah we all know that in when he has the glove off of him he does not have any power of any stones that is fucking he's capable he's a giant he's a giant beast being held down by all these superhumans in that second, superhuman, if, <laughs> superhuman, whoop whoop, chuckle there, chuckle it. In that second, he could have shot once. Yeah. Boom. The entire world, like the entire universe, wouldn't have been wiped half clean. And I don't know. That was man, very. I hope to. I think God that we get a another Guardians movie. That at least touches on him regretting or him thinking about yeah. that mistake. Because he, like, he drastically, for those five, I mean, we'll get into it later, but for a period of time, affected the universe. You don't think it's so insanely. You don't think yeah. it's a superhuman thing to do? Like, I mean, it definitely was a moment of weakness, like, without a doubt. But, like, just a, for once, he, he, like, he wasn't thinking, man. Like, at the point, like, it, it makes sense as a character, like, to, to try and, like, to try and defend something that's ridiculous. But, like, I mean, it makes sense as a character, right? I mean, it, it, it is a heel turn and face turn all in the same second. Yeah. But, absolutely. So, Infinity War, with everything included. If we talk about even with the Peter Quill storyline, maybe being pretty weak, and Benicio de Toro making a guest appearance. God damn it, I love Benicio de Toro so much. <laughs> Magnificent. But um, <laughs> oh, I love him so much. And even uh, Peter Dinklage as a giant—that was my. Yes. I laughed Ooh. so hard. That is the most ironic scene that's ever. What, that's what killing you means. <laughs> it's great, but. Everything included, very Such strong a good movie. movie man. Top five for sure. Might be my my like as like to rate it as a movie might be my favorite. So, yeah. hell yeah, the best. I, I mean, we'll get to it at the end, but absolutely phenomenal film. But so then we move into with the exception of Iron Man three and Thor: The Dark World, probably the most unnecessary. I would dare to say. And, unfor- and forgettable films in the MCU, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Definitely forgettable. Oh, see, I forgot I mean, so much about it that I thought we were going to go into Captain Marvel now. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, jeez, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that, but we're going <laughs> to... So, Ant-Man and the Wasp exists so just to play set. So, as much, like, much the same as other movies serve to... To put people in their 
in their ready places to get into Infinity War. Ant Man and the Wasp exists is that exactly to put Peter to put um, Peter Paul Rudd's Paul. character Paul? Scott Lang Scott Lang. Scott Lang. Scott now Lang. we figured it out <laughs> to put Scott Lang in his place. Let it be him. known, everyone, that we were for at least 20 minutes before this episode started trying to figure out what the fuck Paul Rudd's character You can't just look something up, man. That's whack. Him named Mike. Yeah. (laughs) This was organic character development on the part of me, Caleb, and Garrett. (laughs) So, this whole movie exists just to put Scott Lang in a starting place. I mean, if they leave off where they... If they they start where they left off with some of the other characters in this movie and the next anime movie... I mean, I'm sure it'll be just as forgettable as every other Ant-Man movie. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. So, basically, they do some stuff. Scott Lang gets really big. <laughs> and then he wants some orange slices or something. And then so uh, he ends up in the Quantum Realm at the end of the movie. So, the end credits... Um, the end credits scene happens in concurrence with the end of Infinity War with the snap and the... Okay. So, so so the reason that Scott Lang is trapped in the quantum realm is because um, before he was supposed to be retrieved from the quantum realm, Thanos had snapped his fingers, eliminating half the life on the Earth, including the people who were supposed to retrieve him from the quantum realm, leaving him trapped there. Okay, so, so basically to explain in a tiny... <laughs> ironically tiny because it's Ant-Man. Um, oh, scale. Oh. That the only the only reason both Ant Man films exist is so there is a character that can explain the quantum realm. That's it. In Endgame, that is literally the only reason this character exists. And he exists so that when we finally get the uncut director's oh, no. version of Endgame, we can finally get the scene where Ant Man turns tiny, rolls up Thanos's tight. Oh no, Garrett's Garrett's giving you guys an ASMR. <laughs> Porn ASMR. Once Literally, it's tight. Nasty. Blue oh my god. Okay, that is a blind draw. Turns huge and rips him apart. <laughs> okay, so fast forward through this stupid fucking movie. Super forgettable. We it, was, it, was, it was fine, but okay, it did its job. We are about to get some fucking listeners to turn this shit off. What's up? We're gonna get controversial. We hit twenty one. Captain Marvel, which I will stand firmer than shit as the worst fucking movie, bar none, in the MCU. That's not even a question. I literally, I am a strong opinioned man, and one of my strongest opinions is that this movie is fucking bullshit. She's stronger. It doesn't. It doesn't rank as low as no Thor: The Dark World, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's, okay. It's, it's it's a it's one of those movies where it's it's so just meh that it's bad. You know so what I mean? Yeah. If if it's oh, not, I, know. I saw it in the theater. <laughs> if it's not the worst, it is the fucking second worst because I really do feel like in making this film a cultural statement on behalf of women. The way this film portrayed Captain Marvel may have done the opposite. Yeah, like for the first, I don't know, probably 45 minutes to an hour of the movie, she was just kind of ditzy, didn't know what was up, was just kind of like, just, you know, your stereotypical betrayal of a woman. 
Where, fucked and then up. The, then you're supposed to be like, this woman goes from being this ditzy woman to a strong being when it should have just probably just been the strong being. Yeah. Because as you see at the end, this is not a person. This is a like larger scale This is power entity. personified. This, yeah, yeah. This, this yeah. is, and as you'll see in Endgame, absolutely is a in, irreplaceable fucking magnet of power. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's... It, it focuses way too hard on one human, um, for lack of a better term, possession mm-hmm. of Captain Marvel. Yeah. The, the, like, the Brie Larson version. Like, if Brie Larson as an actress became Captain Marvel, it is way too focused on her when there's been a million Captain Marvels. Yeah, there's, and there there's will, so many iterations. And there will be a billion more. Like, it would have been so much cooler if we had seen something along the lines of you know the previous Captain Marvel expires Brie Larson gets into the plane crash where that whatever fuck yeah shit she breathes in you she already in, you already have the, the idea that hinted at in Doctor Strange and definitely hammered home in Captain Marvel is that the true embodiment of power yeah takes a female host yeah which I am all fucking behind that's yeah. fucking true but um, <laughs> This film just does not do what it needed to do right in any way. Yeah, they tried to do, like, the, the, the whole, like, oh, she's, it's a buddy cop movie with fucking Nick Fury for the first hour or so. It's just, just unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, the female-driven film does not need Samuel L. Jackson yeah, to drive the plot. Nick Fury, yeah. He can't even say motherfucker in this. Exactly. <laughs> And it's like prime time for him to say motherfuckers. It's he hasn't 1980s. said yeah, and even if we're talking about 2019, he hasn't said motherfucker in too long. I don't know. We need a motherfucker from him. I think I might think yes, in a different vein of thought on this because to yeah. me, to me, the best scenes were the ones where it, where it was Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson because to me, Brie You're Larson, we <laughs> Brie Larson, Brie Larson by herself in that movie was not interesting at all. No, she was smug. She, yeah. her and and I'm not saying it's her fault, but like because they made her film Endgame before she filmed this. Yeah, she filmed her scenes in Endgame before she filmed Captain Marvel. That is fucking humongous bullshit. Yeah, I did right? not so, know that. Yeah, so that I mean, pisses me off. Uh, I mean, there's a lot I'm sure on her part of trying so, to figure out her character so and how telling, she needs to act. You're yeah. telling me that you are filming Will Smith's iRobot with the robot being the solution at the end <laughs> as the first scene that's yeah. huge bullshit so if it's like she, episode two of star wars it makes a lot of three. sense why her character was so weird and inconsistent in this movie she like, didn't yeah. know how to act because she yeah. was supposed to be the most powerful being that ever lived and you didn't really get to see her yeah. progression she so, acted like she's always like her character always knew she was a mom fucking the reason hey there peter badass. parker you got something for me? <laughs> oh, jeez. The reason I say that the, the scenes... bleed! The reason that I say that the scenes with Nick Fury are the best is because that's what grounds her. To me, that's where, where she seemed the most human. Yeah. Like, any other scenes in the movie, she didn't really act like a person. Yeah, she's just like a robot. Dude, yeah, I so, swear. But her interaction with Nick Fury, she felt like a person, and Brie Larson could kind of come through in the performance, and to me, that's why those were the best scenes in the movie. Sure, yeah. So, I mean... 
not to not to say that and, like uh, the most powerful woman in the MCU needs to piggyback off a man or anything. Yeah, but that, like, that, that to is, me, it's the interactions no. with her and the other people yeah, is what makes no. that the best scene. No, you didn't say that. This, that is what this movie fucking told you. Because that is what it did. Because the movie lost a lot of its grounding <laughs> I'm about to tell after you the first hour. I'm about to tell you the stupidest part of this movie. Mm-hmm. So, the stupidest part of this movie is at the end, um, Talos is the scroll's name, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, at the, at the end of this movie... At the end of this movie, they're about to escape. The the um, scrolls are. They're about to escape off that ship where that fight happened at the end. Yes. And and he gets shot. Yeah. And then it, I guess it teases. It wants you to think that he died, and then it just immediately shows him with like his arm in a sling and he's flying. Like what? <laughs> what was the point of like, that whole honest, tease? Honestly, like, brother. The, like who slinged your arm? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like this is the dumbest part of the gun. whole movie. <laughs> like what was the point? What was the point in shooting this dude in the arm? Like if it was going to make you think he died, like like who really cares? Like yeah, what what exactly. was going to say? And then he didn't die, so like why? Like this, yeah. <laughs> yeah. this movie so basically what you're saying is this whole movie is just unnecessary. This whole movie was just it didn't seem like it had enough planning. It seemed like they made it I think I think it seemed like they made it because they needed to. Okay. It's one of those the one of those yeah, movies. Like, I, I fully you. expected yeah. they were gonna have it because Captain Marvel will play some huge part in Endgame, and then she really no. wasn't. And so she's in the biggest, most powerful ex machina of all film. But so kind of how I look at it is like maybe there should have there should have <laughs> been like a unfortunately I'm gonna phrase it like this secondary Avengers movie where you have. Ant-Man and the Wasp occurring at the same time as this film. Yeah. Because neither of those films should have existed on their own. And there's a reason they both were hated and didn't do well. Like, maybe they could have done something else and added in extra parts of the other Avengers. Sure, And made, like, an extra... Like, a Rogue One driving home a certain part of the plot for Star Wars, like a Rogue One of the MCU. But they didn't do that, and I think they needed it, because that six months was was so important, and it it really, I'm sure, drove some people to not want to watch Endgame, which we are right now pigeoned straight into. Holy mother of fuck. I know we have all... Three on one podcast with so Clay good, has talked about Endgame before, and Endgame, had, ta- with its flaws, is so good. How many so How many times did you see good. it in theaters? Fucking once, man. Just once. I saw it twice. How'd you survive oh, yeah. the first forty five minutes? The first forty five, it kind of went. Uh, I don't know about it as expected, but I wasn't super thrown <clears throat> for a loop in the first forty five. And then they killed Thanos, and they said five years later, and I was like, "Oh damn!" No, that's that's the the kill of that's Thanos. That's the first like ten minutes, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah, yeah. the, no, the kill. We're, we're talking about the, the whole oh, whole unnecessary okay. forty five minutes. Okay, I'm talking about like where they're like trying to figure out time travel. We're gonna kind of deedle 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 over the part that I so drunkenly screamed about <laughs> before. But okay, movie starts. Blah blah blah. They kill Thanos. Yeah, and then you get. Captain America leading an AA meeting, and you get these cool ass mentions of Scarlett Johansson being like the um, shield girl. Can I, can now. I drop? Sadly, in a, can sadly, I drop in a fun fact. Sure. Yes. 
in the in that AA meeting thing. I mean, obviously, a lot of people know that that's the director of the movie, one of the directors in the oh. AA meeting. Oh, cool. Uh, the one talking about how he went on that date. Yeah. That's one of the directors. That's Joe Russo, I think. And okay. then another guy in that meeting is the guy who wrote a, the original Infinity War comic. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah. incredible. That's so awesome. they included him in the in sure. scene, too. Whatever. Makes it a little better for me. But, so, it does do the... Oh, God. Garrett, chill out. But, um, <laughs> the... Probably what I think is the stupidest mistake made in all of the MCU. When they mention, when Scarlett Johansson is the operator of like the communications room uh-huh. for the Avengers, and they're talking about all the missions that the other Avengers are on without showing any of them. So unless the Phase 4 movies show those then that was a fuck up for sure. Because you're telling me that there's a movie where Don Cheadle is the lead, where Don Cheadle is taking down the Mexican cartel as War Machine. That would be so fucking cool. cool. That is the most R-rated. With with paralyzed, like, assisted legs. Yes. That's amazing. That is the... Damn, I never thought about that. That is the R-rated, incredible film. That gives me, like, Logan vibes. Absolutely. It gives me Logan... And fucking Deadpool vibes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to talk about this because on the same list that we've been working off of, it has the the announced names of films, yeah. which is going to really piss you off when you <laughs> think about this. But okay, so blah, blah, blah. All of the endgame story kind of connects itself. Everything kind of rounds its edges off. And you get, literally, if you want to argue with me, Fuck you. The <laughs> best sequence in the entire MCU is the final battle occurs, and you have on your left. You have <laughs> you have Slingering. Tyrant Thanos, who has been by himself trying to fight this fight, mm-hmm. and then boom, he has all of the what do you call him? The Tatari. The and then like every villain, yeah. all come together, and every. Oh man, when Wakanda comes out, when every fucking soldier in Wakanda comes out and everybody emerges, holy! But Howard the Duck made an appearance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Howard the Duck's fucking there. Only Howard the collector the wasn't there. Miss you, Benicio. But that was fucking. I amazing. I think I cried. I think I did. <laughs> I bet. I believe it. Your character. Your character. Arc, I definitely got chills. Your. Oh yeah. Caleb Beard's character arc in this three-on-one my, episode ends with this episode. My childhood, my childhood was screaming, bro. Let me tell you, <laughs> I didn't know how to act. I looked at like, cause there was like other people in the theater that were also getting emotional. Yeah, and I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. This is a dark room. I'm gonna, I'm, oh. I'm gonna let it flow. Would you say? Would you say? I wanted to scream. Caleb, would you say that you loved this scene, three thousand? I, did, I, <laughs> I love this screen, this scene. <laughs> 3,000. But, okay, so big fight happens, and then Garrett's sexy portrayal <laughs> comes in with this huge fight happening. Uh, don't do it yet, Garrett. Garrett, I swear to God, don't do it yet. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the big fight's happening, Every single good guy, every single bad guy is all together 
holding fucking hands. Giant splash, like, scene. And then, and then, it sucks because of how bad Captain Marvel was. But then Captain Marvel, boom, comes in with the... Hey there, Peter Parker. You got something for me. <laughs> and she is the massivest ex machina. And she would have been so much stronger of a saving grace if that movie didn't suck. Yeah. And... And if she did more than just blow up a ship, and, and honestly, if she had, like I said earlier, had a Ooh. secondary Avengers just forty minutes yeah. in the Ant Man film, yeah. oh, here's her, you know, fucking here's... saving every planet ever, yeah, fi- the galaxy. figuring out who she is and honing her powers, yeah. here's to where a... she can destroy the mothership. Here's yeah. a problem I had with it in Endgame. So. There's a scene in Endgame. We all know the scene where at, right after Peter Parker hands the gauntlet to Captain Marvel. Conveniently enough, every female character in the MCU just decides to just show up in this one spot and help Captain Marvel, who obviously doesn't need any help doing whatever she wants to do with this gauntlet does not need any help from any of these people who are so less powerful than her to deliver this gauntlet and in, i mean i get that this whole scene is to be like the whole women empowerment scene and i'm not talking down on that at all the scene in infinity war was way more effective with all the women because it was organic like you could see in the battle it wasn't like in your head like okay this is super obvious like yeah. whenever it showed the women like she's not alone like you know what I mean yeah. in Infinity yeah. War that made sense yeah. even Valkyrie's there yeah. yeah like and but in but in freaking Endgame all these people just start flying out of the sky and landing there out of nowhere trying to help Captain Marvel who obviously so, doesn't need any help so, so that whole that whole like scene was just felt pandering and it felt and like it was like an like it, I don't know it redid what they did in Infinity War yes. in the Infinity War and it was fights, cheaper this way in yeah. in the Infinity War fight sequence it just so happened that the women were in the same place at the same time and the women can kick ass the same way fuck yeah because you're oh, all yeah. you're exactly. all superheroes yeah. yeah every superhero is the same level and so well. all all the females okay except for Superman Hawkeye. Fuck. Uh, don't even fuck with me. <laughs> He's not even in this fucking conversation. No, he is. Fuck you. Scene. He's not in both these scenes. Fuck you. So, <laughs> so I saw there's a there's a YouTube video that I've seen where they they kind of just rewrote this scene and it makes a lot more sense within character arcs. So, in this scene, in this rewrite, this person suggests that instead of Captain Marvel showing up and being like, "Hey, Peter Parker," uh. That <laughs> that nebula that nebula nebula comes and grabs the gauntlet. Oh, that makes way more because sense. Because the whole the she's whole, a robot. The whole story, the whole character arc for Nebula this whole time has been she was one hundred percent subservient to Thanos because that's all she had. What else was she without Thanos? That was now she's, that was her mission. That and was now her goal. she's without. And Thanos. now now she's. Her Thanos is dead, and her thing is to fix the universe. So that's like a huge character arc moment for her, is to be actively taking this gauntlet and trying to avoid it from the Thanos getting it and it makes sense for the women to, to try and help her because Especially, Nebula needs the help like she, she's not some Captain Marvel Marvel super Especially being. if she's just 
and her robotic all-knowing, um, if she just knew she needed to get that to Captain Marvel, exactly it, to Brie Larson, the superhuman, like yeah. if if there was a superhuman. between Peter Parker and Captain Marvel, if there yeah. was if there wasn't a, do you have something for me, Peter Parker? If there wasn't that shit, you got that cock for me, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> if if there wasn't that, that part, high school junior, if if Nebula. Got it to her, and it like just Nebula so died. Even yeah, that would be amazing. It'd but be so much. It's just so much. But so it just feels. It just feels so cheesy and like pandering for yeah. that whole. Okay, I'm not. I'm, I don't want to really linger over this much longer. But that's just. That but just, so it would make much more sense for me to do it a different then, way than what they did. Yeah, then that's the only critique. Out out of all these years, then we get it. The most eleven years. The most important part of the entire MCU, where Tony Stark, the womanizing asshole, gives his life, boom, for everyone who died. And everything that... He used Neoform on himself. <laughs> oh, MTG, love you. But um, in his sacrifice, let's not get into the logistics of the five years that are gone, but... In his character arc ends unbelievably perfectly. Oh, yeah. Where he no longer, he has gone from the selfish asshole to the truly selfish, selfless man who has finally seen life in, and I think that's a good deal of why there was five years that he had to see his child grow. Yeah. Like he needed to know that he needed to make a world worthy of his child living in and knowing that his child would be raised in a world still feeling just like he did yeah the grasp of his family the grasp of his father and that is great that is a perfect end the funeral all that shit that might have pissed me off we're not gonna talk about it so i have i have two things i think to say oh fuck the first (laughs) the first thing being the last shot the very last shot of Infinity War is the camera pans from the left of the screen, pans around to the right of Thanos sitting down and smiling because he knew he had accomplished his goal. And the very last shot of Thanos in Endgame after Tony Stark snaps his fingers, it shows the same camera pan of Thanos sitting down, but this time he's accepting his defeat. And that that whole, like... Josh Duality Bowen, of it, it's so great, man. And some <laughs> and of the, the some of the some of the way yeah. some of the ways that the the people in the background are like um like fading to dust yeah. are reminiscent of the way that some of the Avengers had faded to dust in the past movie. Yep. And then so also um, the ending of this movie, kind of how we talked about in the Civil War discussion about how in Civil War Iron Man and Captain America were crossing paths during Civil War on their own independent arcs. And so in this movie, they both finally reach their arcs. Like Iron Man goes from this selfish prick to somebody who has sacrificed his life for the greater good. And because of his connection with Spider-Man, he has learned so much from knowing Spider-Man. So like during the course of these 11 years, his, his arc has crossed from somebody who couldn't give a damn about somebody else who was just, I mean, he was in it for himself to, to sacrificing himself and then from Captain America 
from being the guy who would lay his life down on the line because it was the right thing, in quotations, yes. to becoming somebody who, at the end, after he went to go take the stones back to where they were supposed to be, he kept a little part of life for himself. He got to be a little selfish. Yes. Yeah. So they both started at completely different places, yeah, crossed at Infinity in Civil War. Uh, aside from everyone who p- perished, he did get to live the life he always wanted mm-hmm. with his family mm-hmm. and finally everything dumbed down. It's beautiful. Like half oh, of the yeah. world's technology is gone. So no one depends on him anymore. Yeah. So he gets to go live in the country and raise his daughter how he always wanted to. And it humanizes him to the point of, wow, I matter so much less than the half of the world who knew their child, who had this connection with others. And he never had that connection with others until I Love You 3000, which still kind of makes me want to cry right now. And that final I Love You 3000 is fucked up. I cried hard i cried like when fucking vin diesel die no when the dude plunged the dagger in saving private ryan that oh i cried the same way as sean penn screaming is that my daughter in there in mystic river River. i cried like a kid the same way in this pg-13 fucking movie 2019 when i'm 22 years old that shit cut me deep like that scene in Dude, the, the man who killed hitler and then the bigfoot oh the one you want to just you want to just <laughs> sit here quiet for a while oh my god don't even fuck with me on that the one the one line that really got me was like right after that whole funeral pan was um happy Hogan was yeah. talking to Iron Man's daughter and he asked she says she's hungry or something he asked what she wants like she says dad. she wants a cheeseburger and there's that pause where like as a kid like as a kid she's just she just wants a cheeseburger yeah, yeah. but him like you can he knows see the, the whole thought process of oh of like, the viewer you can, you can see him thinking back to that Iron Man one moment yeah. with the audience the audience is thinking the same thing they're gonna do the same thing that on a press uh, conference that he's thinking of American cheeseburger <laughs> and you can mm. you can see that he's like damn like he's thinking he's like you know your dad like cheeseburgers oh my god that oh, scene so wrecked good. me and then oh, John uh, Favreau I cried so hard happy that scene, all, all of our love I got chills all of our love for Endgame stacked together we do have to hit 23 and jump into Far From Home and I'm sure no matter how good this movie is, every fucking person in this room can agree. Why the fucking name of fuck is this in Phase Three? It's this. Kinda... Sh- this should be the beginning of Phase Four. Yeah, I, it can, yeah. I can see how it go either way because I can this see how this does I can not. See... Endgame should absolutely, absolutely end the story. I could oh, yeah. see I could see how you would either start phase four on this or you would use this to wrap up phase three. I could see it either way because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like stuff granted that this this film didn't wrap up, but there's a lot of like unanswered questions after phase three, and I'm, I could see how you'd want to tie that up with one more smaller film. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think this film really accomplished that. No, it, it, was, it, was, it was a good movie for it sure, was, but it fell out of place. It was standalone in a time where we didn't need it. Yeah. 
Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal. God, I love uh, you. You are the handsomest of all. I want you to broke back melt. We're, we're not going to get too into that movie because, honestly, that could probably get a ridiculous drunk film review all in its oh, own. Oh, for sure. That could be an episode. That could be our next all, Caleb Beard. All that matters is that as of recording today, it was announced that Spider-Man is safe and sound within in the, the MCU. MCU. Where he belongs. If you put him with Deadpool, I'd cut my dick off. But okay, so. Well, you don't want a Spider-Man and Deadpool crossover movie? Before we wrap it up it. too much. I would too. Before we wrap up too much, we're going to do a funny little segment here. I would say called Surprise. Alright. I am going Surprise. to tell you each the names of the next seven or so films in the MCU. I okay. want to hear your immediate reactions. And... If I have drastic feelings, I'll say one. Number 24 in the MCU, directly following the beginning of the MCU, the MCU Phase 4, after Spider-Man Far From Home, you get, for some reason, Black Widow origin story. Why? I think it's supposed, to, it's supposed to take place right after Civil War, I think. That's not origin story. She's fucking... Oh, I guess a continuation story. It's that just is it's just a time so piece stupid. story. Yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be alright for for whoever wants it will love it. Yeah, other people will see it and be like, this is fun. Okay, cool. So then we're gonna go to twenty five. We're gonna hit Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. Ooh, that's a series, right? That's a Disney Plus series. Yep. That's supposed to kind of wrap up like how at the end of Endgame. I don't even care because it's not going to have the same people who play yeah. that. It's, yeah, it it's going to have Anthony Mackie and... Uh, Are you fucking kidding me? It's a Disney Plus series, yeah. Insane. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes it's going to get, but... Whoa. Okay. After that, we get hit with The Eternals. Ooh, Angelina Jolie, I think, was cast with in that. Salma Hayek. What? Salma Hayek will play Ajax. Angelina Jolie will play Athena. Icarus will be played by Richard Madden. Kingo Sunnin will play... Oh, I don't even know. Okay, I'm getting confused. That, that's weird. I hmm. I also don't know anything about the Eternals or that storyline, but it seems weird to... Jump off with huge names. Yeah. Huge, mainly female names. Like, yeah. Kind of seems inappropriately timed. Like yeah, after the Captain Marvel fiasco. Yeah, after Captain Marvel was a terrible attempt at making a female-driven movie when they could have just made a movie with a female. Yeah, as the female lead. Yeah. Or they hammered it home entirely too hard, one hundred percent. So after that, oh man, we just go into just bullshit upon bullshit <laughs> upon bullshit. And, okay, so, cut it after bullshit upon bullshit, and then I'll say it okay. the next shit when he comes in. Because the next ones are called Shang-Li and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. Okay. WandaVision. Oh, oh my. Perfect. This could not have worked better. Because I'm just going to skip all the other stuff and jump in. Okay. So then we are hit in 2021 with a huge cavalcade of content. <laughs> Let it be known that Caleb just left to get another Bud Light Lime. And okay. to pee. So 
Then we get Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh my! Is the official God. copyrighted it's, name of this film? It's Doctor Strange and Scarlet Witch. Oh. Scarlet Witch will be in this movie. Will she be speaking Russian? <laughs> in a Russian accent? She'll be she... speaking in Elizabeth Olsen accent. Will she be joking <laughs> on my pee-pee? If she, <laughs> if she is, I'm with it. No. But, okay, so Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Shoulder shrug, everyone? Yeah, fucking weird. I'm interested. I mean, I'm curious to see what, what it's going to be about. I'm curious. The, the theory, the theory, the fan theory is that they might bring back Quicksilver in some degree. Hmm. So, then the big thing happens and we get a low-key, a quote-unquote what-if show and a Hawkeye show all on Disney Plus, all with the people who play them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, the Loki series is supposedly supposed to follow at the end, or not at the end, but during Endgame, after um, the whole time, what's it called? The time heist? It goes, yeah. it, it gets botched. And Loki, that that one Loki gets away with the Tesseract. Tesseract, yeah. Supposedly, the idea is it's supposed to follow that Loki in some other universe. Okay, that could be. So awesome. it's yeah. it's not it's not attached to the main universe of the MCU. The MCU we've been following. It's just him, just doing stuff in other realms. Whoa, that could be really cool. Okay, so the what if? Okay, let's just skip over Hawkeye because I don't even want to fucking talk about. <laughs> yeah, it. fuck no. But so the what if show rumored for Disney Plus. Includes. This is the cast: Haley Altwell, Mark Ruffalo, Chadwick Boseman, who played Black Panther, yeah. Michael B. Jordan oh. as Killmonger, and Samuel L. Jackson all will reprise their roles. So a different timeline, I'm sure. Yeah, this is just like, I mean, like what if scenario? It's yeah. like maybe what if Killmonger had won? Maybe what yeah. if? Yeah, sure. Yeah, all okay, this crazy. So- it's just. Almost like fan fiction, right? Yeah. So then we hit the final film confirmed. In 2021, in the end, will be Thor, Love, and the Thunder. I'm ready. Okay. I love that name. So, it's so fucking so, weird. So that is the stupidest name. That sounds like a so rock stupid. album from the 70s. Sounds like a Weezer but album. Does, <laughs> For real. Does that not... The Pork and Beans album. Have to, does that not have to be Guardians 3? No, it's... I thought Guardians 3 was confirmed. Guardians 3 is confirmed as this, is this own movie. Yeah. To... to the the Thor Love and Thunder movie, I believe they announced it E three or D twenty three or something. Yeah. They had Natalie Portman come out. Natalie Portman's supposed to be like a new Thor. Which is oh. really weird. Which is what? really weird. <laughs> Bryce just choked on his ice. <laughs> oh fuck. Natalie Portman is supposed to be like because I mean in the comics before Thor has been a lady. Like she's been she Thor or whatever. Sure. So that's kind of the idea of this movie is that Natalie Portman is somehow gonna possess the powers of Thor. So right. it's so it's been hmm. rumored. She's probably a better actor than Chris Hemsworth. He's just a goofy guy, man. I love you, Chris Hemsworth. If you're watching, <laughs> you're listening. Isn't doesn't Captain America have the? Isn't he worthy? Because he can wield me all Yeah, but he's out of this universe. He doesn't, Duh, have, he's he doesn't, fucking ancient. He doesn't have the powers of Thor. He can just wield Mjolnir. Mjolnir. 
I'm talking okay. like I'm talking Natalie Thorman gets the powers of Thorman. Natalie, Natalie Thorman. Okay. <laughs> Natalie <laughs> Thorman. That's, Natalie. that's what that's what she's called whenever you've had a couple of Bud Light limes. <laughs> Be a lime and a good deal of whiskey will turn you into saying Madeline Madeline Thorman. Madeline Thorman. <laughs> but so end of the day, everybody just say your number one favorite MCU movie. Garrett first. Oh man. You know, I'm I'm gonna have to say the first Iron Man. Badass. Love it. I gotta say, like, overall, Infinity War is probably the best movie that Marvel Studios has made. I have to agree with Caleb almost simply because of the opening scene. It truly starts insane with yeah. an introduction of like five characters. At right at the beginning, in a way that they will be so crucial that if they weren't introduced in that first scene, it wouldn't have mattered. And such a great movie. With that, I have to thank good Caleb Beard for suffering through this Woo! almost three hours with us. Okay. And we'll love to have him back for when the next stupid fucking MCU needless movie comes we'll out. We'll all see it because we're smarks. Yes. Smarks. I'm going to be mad, but I'm going to watch it. This has been Three Hour One Podcast. Good night. Oh fuck! I have to pee so. That's fuck what I bad. had to go do. That's, did you see me so pacing? Did you see me pacing?